Welcome to The Rodcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset-backed businesses, investments, and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today, I'm with two absolute auction legends, Piot and Jay. And we're going to discuss some of the auction lots that are coming up in the September 17th, uh, 2019 Auction House London auction. The purpose of today is to showcase some of the lots and also discuss opportunities um, that people might be looking at and ways to increase their investment when uh, purchasing some of these auction lot properties. Uh, so before we get stuck into some of these properties, if we can just get uh, a quick introduction from Jay and Piot. So Piot, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, great. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, and um, I specialize in um, property auctions, buying and selling in property auctions. I do that for myself and I do that for clients. Um, and predominantly these days, I uh, sell for clients and consult them on how to get the best um, or price in the auction, how to choose the right auction house, and uh, I've been doing that for about eight years now. Fantastic, thank you. And Jay? Yeah, no, thanks for having me here. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Jay Howard. I've been in property for uh, just about 17 years, um, buying and selling auction for the last 12, and for almost six years I have worked for Auction House London as the auction manager. Fantastic. Um, so if we can get started then, we've each picked out a few lots. Um, I think my pick comes up first in, in order in the catalogue, which is a double one. It's lot 7 and lot 14. So I'll give a quick uh, description of what those lots are. Uh, lot 7 is a two-bedroom, first-floor maisonette offered with vacant possession. It's leasehold and it's got a 99-year lease from the 29th of September 1980, so it's got 60 years unexpired. A Section 42 notice to extend the lease can be served prior to completion at the buyer's request, and the rights of which would be assigned to the incoming buyer, so that's interesting, we'll touch on that in a minute. Um, It's located in E10, uh, it's a terrace Victorian building um, with uh, a ground floor uh, flat and a first floor maisonette, both with uh, their own doorways. And lots 14 is the ground floor uh, flat. So again, uh, exactly the same in terms of the lease and the section 42. Um, so it's quite an interesting one really. Um, you've got a few few different angles. Firstly, it's a short lease. Uh, so one of the issues you'll have there is getting finance on leases. Normally if it's under 80 years, you, you'll probably struggle. But what's good is something called the Section 42 notice uh, has, well, can be served. Now, Jay, you're a bit of a specialist when it comes to short leases. Do you yeah. just want to explain to the audience what a Section 42 notice is? So a Section 42 notice is the notice that a leaseholder would serve on the freeholder requesting an extension of the lease. Um, traditionally, it's an extension by the original lease term or by 90 years, or of course you can specify a brand new lease 
um, with, with a completely new term and those will all come at slightly different costs. Um, there are slight requisitions to serving the Section 42, so in order to serve a Section 42 you would have to have owned the property for a minimum of two years. Which is why obviously it says it can be done before completion because the new buyer won't have owned it. For Correct, so it's something uh, I don't think was seen in auction catalogues up until about three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. People would have been requesting it between exchange and completion, but now um, it just makes so much sense for investors to not sit there thinking, if I have to buy this all equity, yeah. all cash, um, and have to hold it for two years. Or bridge it. Or, or bridge it, and, and then it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, you can get finance on these things without bridging. It's, it's expensive, and it's long, and it just it's, it's unnecessary, so. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Um, that's, that's it. And one of, the, um, one of the other ways, of course, to increase the lease without serving section 42 is to just have an agreement with the freeholder. So normally the freeholder, will ask for a fee in order to do this yeah. um, and that's something that, that can happen uh, but what's quite interesting about this um, the reason I've picked these two is because obviously the two flats make up the building so if you were to buy both of these lots one of the things you could do is something called enfranchisement so do yes. you want to do a quick explanation of, of how that works. So enfranchisement on the very face of it is uh, you are, instead of asking to extend the lease, you're asking to buy the freehold. Mm -hmm. um, that would then put you in a position to make both flats share a freehold with 999 year leases and then sell at massive value. There are a couple of conditions. Um, so if you were to buy both, which is what you would really want to be doing if you were going yeah. to, to enfranchise, you'd have to buy them in separate entities. That's a great point. So by separate entities, you mean either separate um, companies yeah. or a company and an individual. Yeah, or yourself and your wife exactly. or whichever way. Yeah. As long as the ownership is in two separate names. So there are a lot of things to consider with how you structure a purchase like that in terms of tax liability and CGT and all those other things. So, And we'll certainly be doing a podcast uh, in the future about tax and some of those... Uh, corporate structures and, yeah. and niggles with lending that you can get so yeah we'll so it all that, exactly so when you mention the niggles with lending yeah. it's very very pertinent to these types of properties where lending in the first instance isn't the easiest mm -hmm. so if you structure it in the wrong way and you've got niggling on the short lease and niggling on the structure you've gone in with you walk into bad news bears so why I, I like this um, as well as if you look at lot seven which is the first floor flat the, nothing's happened to the roof, so there's a, a nice big loft up there which could be converted and you could probably get two uh, bedrooms and a bathroom, uh, possibly even one big sort of living kitchen area and another bedroom. Um, so that creates obviously opportunity by adding value in that regard. So, but in order to do that, you would need to get the freeholder's consent. So again, the freeholder may charge for that or if you have managed to do enfranchisement then you will own that so you can do with it as you as you wish so i like the way that there's opportunity within that one of the ways i like uh to deal with short leases obviously we've got the section 42 but for me if i can um 
get a standard term mortgage on this, that's going to benefit me the most in the majority of cases. So what I like to do is to speak to the freeholder. They may, the section 42 might be served, and the freeholder, for example, might say it's going to be 50 grand uh, to, 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 to get this. Often um, you can go, you might think, oh, well, this isn't worth 40 grand, it's only worth 40 grand, so you start negotiating. But actually, if you just agree to that 50 grand, and then you time it so that the um, extension of the lease is given on the same date that you complete, you can normally get term lending on that. Yeah. So it can often mean uh, that life is a lot easier and cheaper for you and you're putting much less money into that deal. Um, so again, lots of options. We've got obviously the lease extension through the Section 42 route, We've got enfranchisement and buying both flats. We've got purchasing the loft space and extending in the loft. Um, so yeah, that's why I've, I've kind of picked this one. Have you guys got anything to add on, 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 the, on these two lots? Yeah, I would say just um, for, for those people who kind of wondered about the enfranchisement and why someone would have to buy this in two different entities, uh, the main reason behind that is uh, because to enfranchise at least 50% of the people, of the leaseholders need to agree to that. And also no more than 50% can be owned or 25% can be owned or 50% can be owned by the same entity. Uh, That's really? why in this example, it would be one owned by one company, the other one owned by another company. But if there was four flats in this building, then you could own two and two in another company. So. Uh, that's something to, to kind of add for other examples where there will be such opportunity. Yeah. Great point. It's, a, it's an interesting dynamic, this property, because whichever way you're going to go, it's a power play. Um, you either um, take the power off of the freeholder and you do what Brog was saying, which would take the first floor flat, turn it into a five-bed HMO, um, and then you can well, sell off the bottom flat to pay for half the cost of the top floor, whatever it is you're going to do. Um, but for me, with a property like this, where there are five or six different points of entry that you can play with, whether you're going to go full equity or bridge or however you're going to run it, as well as the exit, whether you're going to keep the two or go into the roof or extend out the rear for the ground floor flat, whichever way you're going to go, you're going to need a solicitor that knows leasehold extensions. An enfranchisement solicitor will be worth 10 times their weight in gold in this situation. It doesn't matter how experienced you are, and experience does help. I've done several, and that may be undercutting myself there, but <laughs> several short lease extensions on flats, let alone houses, but on flats. And even then, I still refer to a solicitor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if there are some have-a-go heroes that think, oh, I can get it extended and they'll find a Section 42 notice online that they'll try and go, don't. Yeah. Um, that is my advice. Uh, we always want to get things done properly. It saves. Uh, it might look like a bit of a capital outlay at the beginning, but yeah. it's uh, over a long period, it's definitely a wise investment, I think. So is there anything here that you think is, where are the risk points? What could go wrong here? Um, risk points for me um, would be uh, that the Section 42 notice that the current leaseholder solicitors serve is, isn't done correctly, in which case you then have to use the backstop of 
Um, just contacting the freehold yourself and maybe paying a premium above the premium. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a problem, but if you weren't factoring that into your purchase price, then you walk into a not nice scenario. Um, the other thing is, um, if you were to go in the enfranchisement route, um, I would want to have a look and see if there are any Article 4 situations. If you were going to use the, the, the mass increase on the, on the first floor, uh, I'd want to see about that. I'd also want to be looking at the local planning register, the local planning register, <laughs> um, to see if anyone has actually either got or submitted planning for a, a dormer to the rear or front of the roof. Um, that in itself would de-risk the asset for me if I was looking at following your process. Um, the other thing is, um, I think in this situation, the freeholder is uh, corporate, so commercial, a uh, 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 company. GNO. GNO. Um, so I wouldn't be worried that I was dealing with uh, an absentee freeholder, um, but that is something that I would focus well, on. As they are a company, they're there to be a profitable company, so they're going to yes. be wanting their uh, piece of the pie. Yeah. One more thing to, to, to notice about the Section 42 no, uh, notice is that it can be self, there has to be a premium attached to it, yeah. and that premium could be stated on the Section 42 notice as, say, £30,000. But it doesn't mean that this is the price at which you will get the lease extended. That is just the first point of negotiation. And then the freeholder can say, can disagree with that. And then they say 50,000. And then you enter into some form yeah. of negotiation. So it's really important to rely on uh, surveyors to come up with that number that you put on the side. And the important thing to remember here is that in a lease extension scenario, you are paying for your legal fees and your surveyor's fees. You're also paying for the freeholder's legal fees and surveyor's fees. So I normally, maybe I overreg it sometimes, but I put £10,000 of the budget to it one side just for those things. You think, if you can, in an ideal situation, you'd get the extensions to marry up with the completions to enable you to move on to uh, a normal rate funding. Yeah. Um, but these lease extensions, uh, it can go 12 months. It can go longer. Yeah. So you have to be able to factor in where you're going to sit and, and where your your so, equity allows you to lie. And obviously, from from the catalogue, you can find out who the freeholders are, uh, even on, on land registry, even, and contact them before you can go and start bidding to get an idea of what it is that they want. So, uh, and often, obviously, checking the legal pack is a, is a kind of given for every every lot and making sure you go over that. For me, I think um, one of the the issues with this is obviously if I were to go and bid for it, get lot seven, and then someone completely bids me out the park for lot fourteen and doesn't want to go down the enfranchisement route, then I'm obviously going to be at, uh, dealing with the section forty two or paying that premium for the lease extension. But it's about the loft space. So can I then get that loft space, and what is going to be the cost of that, or mm. will they not allow it? So. That's then another risk, but on the whole, I think it's um, I think it's an interesting lot. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I, I think these will sell fairly well. Mm-hmm. Are we um, are we doing a guesstimate of how we think these are going to lie? Oh God, <laughs> that's a risky a risky game. Go on then. What do you think? So the guide price for lot seven is one hundred forty-five thousand, and the guide price for lot fourteen is one hundred thirty-five thousand. So normally that's. Uh, Within a ten percent of the of the reserve. So, for anyone listening, the the reserve price is is what the um, the vendor 
uh, has minimum. Is there, is there minimum amount that they would accept? Yes. Um, so if we're looking at that, we can we can say that okay, it's going to be about around one fifty, isn't it? Yeah. One six five. Yeah. So um, what do you think it's going to go for then? I think I think if the pair was sold. Well, obviously, you can combined. try and get them before the auction. As oh, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think for the pair combined, I'd stick myself at 400. Okay. Pure? Okay, I would say one, uh, 165 for the one bet and 185 for the two bet. Okay, interesting. So that would be just under 400. I'm going to go. 360. I'm going to go with 385. Oh god, the price is right, that's yeah, the game yeah. we're playing now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what is the next lot we've picked out? We went on to lot 16, which is my pick. Yeah, so do you want to explain what it is? So um, this is a 1-7 Voltaire Road in Clapham, SW4. Um, the guide price is 1.7 million. It is a commercial uh, investment comprising three adjoining ground floor shops. Um, one is a, uh, a bar, um, a wine bar. Uh, the one in the middle is a, um, I think it's a Turkish barber's. And then the one on the end, which is humongous, uh, it's a uh, Japanese restaurant, which looks like double frontage as well as uh, an extension out to the, the end of the terrace. Um, the income on this one, it's uh, fully let, is producing 126,500 plus VAT. The thing I like about this one is literally uh, not even a stone's throw. Uh, you could you step across the road and you're in the train station. Yeah. Um, so I like it for uh, longevity in terms of footfall. Um, I like the diversification of the units. Um, the Japanese restaurant has been there. Uh, they're on a 25-year FRI lease uh, from 2001, so they've they've got a good seven or eight years left to go, left to run on it. Um, the other two units have um, been in occupation on licenses um, for about two years each and they're now on 15 year FRI leases so they are at the very beginning of their term almost um, and they're clearly, clearly quite confident in that position and that they're going to make money there so and do um, we know anything about um, obviously I, I haven't looked at any of the legal packs here but um, are there any break clauses in there and Anything to worry about in the leases that you know of? For me, uh, all of these have um, upward only five yearly rent reviews. Okay. Um, the Japanese restaurant has passed its break clause and have well have decided not to to exercise that. Yeah. Um, if anything, uh, the Japanese restaurant for me would be the person of most interest on this side. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think they would be incentivized to, to try and buy this mm. um, they, they've been there so long yeah. the fact that if they were to not buy this and some bought it in seven years time the new owners decided not to renew their lease and put their own business in there yeah. uh, I think I think that would be I think that would be a concern for them well, are these um, tenancies or leases outside or inside of the um, the God. The act, the, the landlord tenant, yeah, act. tenant act, because that would make a difference if, in that scenario, wouldn't it? They're they're all outside the act. Okay, okay, well, that's yeah. good. And just to um, quickly describe the building, it um, looks like it's a 
Georgian building um, with flats above that are all sold in separate leases and all the commercial property on, on the ground floor are um, will have new 999 year leases um, at peppercorn ground rent um, and it looks like there's a bit of airspace above um, the end lot I, it's not very clear but it seems that there could possibly be some development potential there um, obviously you need to get permission from the freeholder um, but yeah it's I, for me this lot is a safe income play um, that's not going to set the world on fire but I think if you're looking at somewhere to park some money and get a good income from I think it's a, it's a great lot like you said the location is fantastic it's just off Clapham High Street which is a pretty buzzing high street it's um, a, a stone story literally from the station as you said and it's nice diverse um, Yeah. So, I mean, for, for that part of London, um, in that kind of location, like you say, it's fairly safe. Mm -hmm. um, 7.5-ish percent on guide. And that's going to um, increase, that's, that's gonna increase as well. Yeah. well as, as the leases go into their upper and only five-year lease. Yeah, um, yeah I, I quite like this one. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's not the, the usual kind of thing that you see. Normally you try and Uh, you probably get one or two or something to be done, yeah. but this is kind of like it's it's all there. So what do you? We've kind of talked about what it is and what we feel you get from it. Like we said, fairly sort of safe and standard income play. What do you think the risks are in this? Um, yeah, the, the risks for me would be the uh, probably probably the two smaller uh, probably the two smaller units. Mm -hmm. um, it'll all come down to affordability. I mean, as we know, it's it's harder and harder to, to have a high street presence with yeah. um, uh, the uh, business rates and things like that. So I'd be more concerned there. Um, they seem to me probably to be the more risky. But the fact that they've had uh, you know a suck it and see. Yeah, they've been here for a few years, and and then they've decided okay, it works. Now I'm thinking yeah. it, it. There's a lot of risks that seem to be mitigated. If you're not looking for anything that is blow your mind it's you know yeah. secure and safe for the next couple of years doesn't worry me at all yeah I, I, I agree I think I think on, on something like this your main concern is always going to be are the tenants going to be uh, um, going to go bust um, yes. in, in this obviously they've got track record um, you've got three separate ones so if one does you've got the other two there as yeah. well And you can, and like we said, the location's great, so I don't think you're going to have a problem in finding people that that uh, want to want to lease that. Um, Piotr, have you got anything to, to add on this one? Yeah, I'd say with any commercial property, the most important thing is the footfall. If there's footfall, there's going to be a business that's going to make that footfall uh, turn it into money, and then they will be able to afford paying the rent. So I think it's a very low risk investment given yeah. the location. Brilliant. Okay, so are we gonna are we gonna have a little guess at what these go for? Oh, I mean the guide price is 1.7 million. Uh, the rent is 126 and a half thousand pounds. Um, so that's about seven and a half percent yield. I, I'll stick my neck on the line and I'll say I, I would imagine it would it would probably be more about a five and a half percent yield that it'll end up going for. Um, which if I if I get my calculator out, because I'm, I'm not that clever. <laughs> um, so what is that, 126, 500? 
so oh that's about 2.3 million oh are you saying net or gross yield because if that, it's net after that, well, that the that, tax and everything that's, no that's that's the gross yeah gross okay the gross. but i mean there's not going to be huge amounts of operational cost because these are all fri so just stamp yeah. duty and stuff yeah. the purchasing price yes. yeah Okay. I mean, it's commercial purchase, so the stamp is uh, sizable, yeah. but it's five percent above the two fifty mm-hmm. mark. Yeah. So on yeah. this one, it will add up. It will add up a the, bit. So, is there VAT to play on the purchase? Yes. Yeah. 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 TLTC is available. Yeah. Okay. So transfer of going get, concern. You can get that. Um, yeah. Back. That that taken back. Um, so yeah, I think. I think about 2.3. I think you might have some uh, small funds, maybe your families that will look at this as a pension play. Yeah, yeah, it, it has that kind of feel to it. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to say 1.8. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like it to sell for. I, I think any a six percent yield gross would 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 be ideal here. So I'm, I guess I'm knocking just under just around the two million mark. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Right, so what's our next lot? Number 30. Number 30, so... Piotr, do you want to describe this one? Yes, so this one is a residential development opportunity offered with planning permission for the construction of a second floor extension to create an additional tool flat. So basically, this is a virtual freehold, about 996 years lease, on the roof space of an existing block of about eight flats uh, in Walthamstow. Um, and this one, uh, but it's got planning permission for two one-bedroom flats. So all someone would have to do is basically build those flats, put them in there, and uh, it's fairly simple. Now, this lot has actually been in before, hasn't it? So it's been in the auction before, I think it came up about uh, three months ago, but it came up as a as a roof space and a basement. Right. So it was combined roof space and a basement. And on this property, when I looked at the planning permission, the actual basement space, it actually extends along the whole boundary of the site. Wow. So you wouldn't only have to dig under the building but you actually have to dig around the building as well which increases the cost massively so i think previously the guide price of 650 uh it it was just uh with the basement the basement is killing the deal Um, and what they're doing now is they're selling their just the roof space which is a very straightforward job uh, and that is with a guide price of 150 and I think the GDV on this one will be about 650 yeah for two flats yeah. for two flats yeah. and it's uh, it's the cost of doing this depending whether you go for modular or whether you go for standard construction it could be about 200 to 250k so what we, we spoke previously about um, modular on this because of the access to it and um, the existing flats in the block are obviously occupied so it's yeah. to minimize disruption really um with modular it can just be craned in and sort of almost it's a bit like uh push it all in so yeah. um it, it's minimal disruption also i mean the, if you're looking at the building it's not the prettiest building in the it's world not, so no. that would concern me a little bit if i'm having to um if i'm 
building these two new flats to sell and they're going to be new new homes so potentially to get them on the on the help to buy if they're if they're under that threshold which i think they probably would be yeah um i think if you're selling them at 300 each it's quite nice because you've got the first time buyer yeah. stamp relief as well um it is just a case of what you can do with the building and if the freeholders will allow you to maybe tar up the external of the building a little bit because it's not the prettiest so that may have an effect on your resale yeah if you're looking to to sell it off well the uh, the original lot that we had it has the planning permission for, obviously for the basement and the roof comes with the ability to reclad the building right so i guess it will come down to negotiation the freeholders obviously for the sake of their I'd imagine, they, I'd imagine they want it done yeah i imagine there, there shouldn't be too much problem right? so i i think that is you know turning an ugly duckling into a swan yeah, is yeah. is is basically what we're looking at here and it is literally just just off the leebridge road so if you know the area well um sales won't be a problem but you would like you say you probably want to tart it up a wee bit um, what do you think the main risks are to this one? So the main risks are probably the ability to put that those flats on the on the roof yeah. space with, in terms of services, in terms of foundations of the building. And so another uh, reason why modular might be quite good is it's, it's, you could do a lightweight, or you yeah. could even go timber frame. And, and normally they are fairly fairly light loft loft extensions. So. Yeah. I think yeah. I've seen them previously where they instead of actually resting the new part the, the new flats on the actual roof itself they um they it's like it's off they put like this metal frame underneath it right okay um and that prevents uh, that obviously reduces any liability or issue under a PWA um because you're going on on the corners of the building which are almost like the the stronger parts of the frame of the building just explain what PWA is Oh, so PWA is a party wall agreement. So mm. if you're doing any real kind of development, whether above or below, uh, next to or adjoining a, another property, you're going to want to get a party wall agreement. And so on this, obviously, because I'm not sure how many flats are in that block, but you'd have to get party wall awards with all of those um, leaseholders yeah. as, yeah. as well as, I imagine, the freeholder. Um, so, yeah, that's obviously going to be a cost. For each one of those, um, hopefully they all don't kick up too much of a fuss. But I mean, it all comes down for, for PWAs for me. Um, and I've been talking to a construction guy about stuff like this, looking to do a development in the near future. But if um, he says if you are going to do this, basically before you do anything, you want to be going around inspecting the properties, taking pictures of things. Cause party wall agreements basically mean if you cause damage to their building whilst you're doing the development or anything like that, you're responsible for. Yeah, fixing it. So you want to make. A, a but you normally get a party wall surveyor to deal go with and that. do that. Yeah. But it all comes down to how you negotiate certain things as well, because there could be people in that building going, you know, what, I live here, but it's ugly. Um, so if these guys are going to come in and they're not causing me a massive disruption to my life, you know, it's they're, they're only doing the building during nine and five or whatever it's going to be. And they're going to tart up the front of the building, inc- potentially increasing the sale of my property as well because yeah. it looks better. It, it all comes down to how you approach things. And I think you have to be very considerate when you're doing um, a roof space, like lo- uh, airspace kind of thing like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's maybe a forward thinking approach that I would recommend people take when mm. I think airspace developments are going to be a really big part of the future. Um, and I think if you go in with that kind of 
half gym will fix it kind of approach, you should be alright. Okay, so what do we reckon on, on, on this? 200 easily. 200? Okay. I, I agree with him, he's not always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so I'm looking at it thinking, I mean, the way my brain's working is 600 GDV, take off 20% of that for your profit, um, which gives you 480, and then take off the build costs and any professional fees and development costs, really, which I think you could probably get that for, um, I think Piotr says 250, add on another 20 grand for bits and bobs, I think, and, and finance costs. So that has left me with 260. So I'm going to go with, um, you've got to take do some finance and, and purchase costs in that. So I'm going to say 245. Nice. For that one. Yeah. Um, okay, great. What's great. the next lot? 33 Hitchin. This is one of yours, wasn't it, Pia? Yeah, it is. So this is a unit four built on road Hitchin. It's a mixed use investment comprising an office, class B1, and a warehouse, class B8, measuring approximately 7,759 square feet combined. Fully led, producing £49,350 plus VAT per annum. Right, and so, what, uh, so what's the guide and price? And the guide price is £550,000. Okay, and the, can you just run through the, is it two different leases then? So there are two different leases. One is for the office, ground and first floor. Uh, that measures 3,700 square feet, just over that. And it's a 10-year FRI lease from 2016. Uh, and the rent is £30,000 plus VAT with a rent review in 2021. So in just over, just, yeah, two years. Yeah. Okay. And then the second lease is a warehouse, ground floor, measuring 4,000 square feet and it's led on a three-month rolling contract to MP Builders at £19,350 plus VAT. Okay, so, thoughts on this? I love this one. <laughs> this, this one was in, actually, I think in our last auction, uh, slightly higher price, but no one even sniffed at it. And I, I, I went back to the office that the night after the auction, I was like, I have no idea how we still have ho- ha- what happened here. Um, there is, I mean, it comes on a big old chunk of land parking, about 5,600 something square foot of parking. That's, well, that's huge, um, isn't it? And, uh, sorry, go on. The, so the, the potential here for me is, I mean, the warehouse, whether they stay or whether they go, that's that's neither here nor there to well, me in terms of risk. On, on paper, it's on that three-month rolling contract is going to concern people, but like you say, warehouses are so in demand at the moment that really the only issue I have with that is maybe lending, getting lending on it might yeah. be an issue. I think it comes down to the short-sightedness of the lender or the broker that you're using. If you're able to tell them, look, this is the asset class that we're dealing with, this is the value that's coming yeah. in, actually if they leave on a three-month rolling, I, I could rent out the space. Probably for a higher price. For, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if you were to split it up and rent it to multi, you could turn that into a, a, a warehouse HMO <laughs> or warehouse service accommodation. Yeah. It, it, not obviously for residential, yeah. but for commercial storage purposes. Yeah, well. and 
with obviously Amazon and things like that, and you've got huge amounts of car parking spaces, so you've got vans able to come in and out. And this is hitching. Yeah. This is this is this is again spitting distance from the M1, Luton. I mean, if you're talking about a good place to be able to stop somewhere and store something, or stop somewhere and pick something up, this is brilliant. And I think in terms of the the car park, I think there's probably too much car park for what is required. Is there potential to maybe build or increase the, the space of the office or warehouse or maybe add even another unit? I would, I would, I'd like the idea of adding another unit. Um, I'll definitely look at actually increasing the height of the warehouse and maybe yeah. putting a, another floor yeah, in there. Like a mezzanine office yeah. as mezzanine well. Office, there, yeah. Or just more, more, more space. Really yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be fantastic, yeah, because it's, um, you can see on, on, uh, the picture that there's definitely uh, it's two stories at the moment but then it looks right to add another floor definitely it? and is this freehold or so this is a leasehold 984 years unexpired on the lease okay so, so this is part of the big uh, of quite big industrial, industrial estate yeah. so that so industrial you, you estate need, is split you need to get some permissions there yeah. uh, from from the freeholders I, I imagine yeah. in order to do any works and again that's going to be going to be a cost so What's the um, the current annual rent then for for these? Forty-nine thousand three hundred and fifty. Okay, all right. So, so it's, it's, it's a decent, it's a nine and a half percent going off, the, going off the guy. So, I mean, what would you think for a, for a yield on warehouse and office space in in Hitching? This for me is is would be a, a still a very much worthwhile endeavour at six fifty. Yeah, at six fifty, I would still be very comfortable. Uh, there's multiple exits here. There are different ways to add value, um, and I would I would be very comfortable um, at six fifty. Yeah, I think at six fifty is a good buy. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a that's a, that's a um, it's still a very good yield with in an asset class in a type of commercial that is in demand. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, I, I, I like this one. Yeah, especially this is going to be in the September auction. When September, everyone's back from holidays, and I think the only reason this didn't sell in the last auction was because it was thirty first of July when oh, right. everyone <laughs> was uh, in the sun. Uh, so I'd say six, six, ten. So don't put properties in in, in the auction in July, in, in, in July and August <laughs> when people are on holiday, but maybe go and uh, go well, and get a deal. That, that's a really good point you make, but I think it comes down to what kind of property yeah. you're putting into what auction, yeah, where, and and it, this obviously wasn't the right kind of thing. But we flats, houses, vacant let, something back, stuff like that. Doesn't yes. matter what time of the year you're going in, yeah. if the price is right, it will move well. But when you're looking at a professional buyer, and that's not the first time buyers are picking that up, yeah. someone who knows what they're going to be doing, they probably are on some beach in Malaga, sunning themselves up, having a really nice little cocktail, laughing <laughs> at themselves. <laughs> Piotr's right, September is, is a good arena for this one to be offered. Now, you guys, I think it's good time to come on to this, have actually written a book about auctions. So do you want to explain a bit about what's in that book and, uh, and what it's called and where people can find it? Yeah, so the, the book is called uh, Before the Hammer Falls, uh, The Insider's Guide to Auction Property Success. Um, you can pick it up from Amazon um, on paperback or, um, Kindle. or Kindle. Um, we put... 
we didn't skimp on that book. Uh, <laughs> even when it came down to the UV on on the on the outside um, cover, like we 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 went full hog in, in terms of knowledge, experience, and we put things in there that we just thought weren't even relevant and. Not even weren't relevant, but we're just so ancillary or so, so much in the background. But it's those little details that make things. Yeah. yeah. And it seems to be the bits that people are picking up on. So we did a little bit about, you know, when is the best time to do this? Or do you understand property cycles and do you understand the auction cycle within a property cycle? And, and those kind of things, I think, create uh, a lot of value for people. Brilliant. And so that's uh, before the hammer falls. Yeah, and for people who are subscribers to uh, or who want to be subscribers to Property Investor News, uh, Ranjit, uh, who's working for Property Investor News, got a deal. If you subscribe, you get a book. So, oh, brilliant! Um, and that's a great magazine, actually. Uh, Property Investor News, they, yeah. they do some very good articles. And on top of that, we've just structured a deal with Essential Information Group, which is the right move, Zoopla, all encompassing knowledge place for auctions. Um, and if you sign up with them, um, they will also send you a copy of the book. Well, I'm, I'm already signed up with them, but I've already <laughs> had your book. It's, it's, it's brilliant. So we'll I've see if they'll do it on a renewal if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant. So shall we move on to the next lot? Yeah. So what do we have? That was the 41. 41. Oh, yeah. So... Oh, yeah. So lot 41. This is um, a lovely bit of land. Um, what more could you ask? Just over an acre uh, in Newcastle upon Tyne. So um, why is this in a London auction if it's a bit of land in Newcastle? That's a really good question. I think it all comes down to the visibility a, a vendor is trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's a misconception or not, but there is very much a feeling from a, a lot of regional um, investors that the majority of investors or big decisional property people are looking at London or, or a London based and yeah. would, would look out from there so I think all they're trying to do is create a spotlight effect because um, when I first looked at this I thought well hold on Newcastle the price of building something is, is probably more than what it's worth um, and I'll, I'll give a quick description of, of what the actual site is so it's a development site measuring 4,200 square metres, offered with planning permission for the erection of six four-bed houses. Um, it's situated in the village of Marley Hill, close to shops and amenities. Um, transport links are provided by Dunstan Rail Station and the A1. Uh, it comprises a roughly rectangular-shaped site measuring 4,200 square metres, and it's... Um, so the planning is for two detached houses and four semi-detached houses. Um, there is a lower ground floor element, so at first glance again that spooked me because I thought, well hold on, we've got Newcastle, low, mm -hmm. uh, low price point, bill costs are still going to be bill costs, and now we've got a lower ground floor, God, how much is that going to be? But on further inspection and being told by Piot, I was, uh, I was I was obviously proved wrong, and it's uh, it's being built on a hill, so that's not a big basement dig. It's it's kind of digging into the hill. There will be still an extra cost to that, but it's not nearly as bad as I thought. And also, 
the price of these houses, I think you looked at some of the comparables. Yes, so the, the price for that that semi-detached house will be about three fifty-five to three sixty-five. Well, so uh, actually, got, it's not too bad. We've got a marketing report from a local agent, and the semi so the detached houses they will be about three eighty-five to four hundred, and this is all based on comparables of a similar. A development which is actually more a card box development this kind of uh, yeah, big not developer good quality, yeah. not good quality and those houses sold there for about 300 to 320 um, and uh, this is a very much a gated development six houses on one acre the other development was 40 houses on one and a half acre wow okay so, so you're getting a lot more bang for your buck aren't you yes. in terms of a, a house buyer and arguably this is in a nicer part of and Marley Hill, which is it's a lovely, it's a lovely yeah. part of Newcastle. Time it also is looking out over the the valley as well. So, you, it, so it's got a nice view. It's got a nice view. It's going to be gated, and and it's there's there's definitely mileage. You're, in you're it. making me want to move to Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, first things that I'll look at are the guide, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, three twenty. So that's about fifty five grand a plot. Um, and so I'll be looking at right what's the square footage of each of these these houses and what's that going to cost me to build and then add on that plot value as well. Um, if there's going to be any sort of big landscaping, obviously when you, yeah. you get a big plot, that's you've yeah. got a lot of land to to keep tidy and make sure yeah. that's right with car parking and things like that. Um, what do you feel are the are the risks on this one? Um, so the risks definitely someone has to take into account the landscaping that needs to happen because yeah. it's a hill as, and, and there are some trees in there as well so um, there, are, there are some things to basically uh, be careful of but um, the build cost on this the expected build cost is about 1 million 1.1 million I always uh, get very concerned when people say the expected build cost is, um, is, is X how, how have you got an expected build cost on this? Uh, so this property is actually being sold by the land buying company. Right. They are experts in uh, getting planning permissions on or enhancing planning permissions on plots that um, were refused planning before or was the planning isn't wasn't optimized. So this was actually uh, something where there was planning for two houses. They got this property on an option. They increased the planning to six houses which are much bigger houses and they're, they're basically their scenarios are either to sell this now with enhanced planning or to build it out. Okay. So they had some quotes from building companies um, to basically know what they're going to be uh, dealing with. And those are people that they've been working with for 25 years. Mm. Uh, I think it's a fairly local team that if, they, if it didn't sell and they were to build it out, they're quite confident of those values. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as a as someone who who's done this, I I'd always want to, I'd always sense check any of those yeah. with have they signed a JCT? Yeah. Have they been given a schedule of works and construction drawings? Because as soon as you get the construction drawings, which are very different from the planning and design drawings, suddenly they might find oh okay, there's going to be these extra costs in I don't know doing uh, triple glazing windows or whatever, whatever it is yeah. um, so it's just uh, obviously to be, be aware of that but yeah I, I like this site it's, um, it's a great part of the country again like I said at first glances I thought wow that's that's expensive for there but after we looked at those comparables it seems it seems like a good 
good deal if you can if you can build well. Yeah, and keep keep your build costs down. Another concern at the moment is build costs going up due to labour and also material costs going up with sort of the weak pound. So mm. that is a concern for me in developments. If you're if you're waiting, there's going to be sort of uh, planning conditions to get rid of or dis- discharge. What's the time frame between buying this and actually sticking shovels in the ground? And are my build costs going to be the same? If I did it now, as they will be in, in a year's time, but again, that's obviously a, a, just a, a standard problem and, and risk when it comes to development. Yeah, I think with something like this, you'll you'll have all the inherent risks of any development. Yeah, uh, there's there's no way to remove that inherently. Developments are risky, um, but if, like you say, if you're able to build well and you're able to manage your costs, there is mileage in this. So, what do we think price wise? I'd say three seven five. I would. I think three seven five is a good price. I would try if it was me, and it it definitely wouldn't be me. There are enough people that know that I'm not a developer. <laughs> but if it was me, probably because I'm not a developer, I would I would try and steal this around the three sixty three sixty five mark. And okay, I'll go. I'm going to go in at three fifty. Okay. Um, <laughs> but who do you think would be buying this? Would it be someone local up there? Would it be? maybe a London investor trying to develop outside of London into more of the regions or is it going to be maybe a, a local builder even? There is every chance for something like this that it will be a local builder slash developer person. Yeah. I think so. Um, there is a, a very, very, for me, maybe less than 15% chance it is going to be a, an SME London developer who's just looking to spread risk across the country because London isn't as safe as it was um, and this is definitely outside of the M25 so <laughs> it could be something like that but very marginal for that yeah, I think I think there's a bit more risk in, in, in that for them, yeah. okay great so uh, shall we move on to the last of our picks now which I think was a interesting 48 um, oh yeah no sorry we've got two more Let's move on to the last one because I think we're going to run out of time otherwise. Um, this is an interesting one, so we've yeah. had a few conversations about this. So, um, Jay, do you want to give a description of what this one is? Yes, so this is a freehold ground rent investment secured against uh, 20 self-contained flats. Each flat is let on a peppercorn. Uh, the freeholder has the right to manage and ensure. Um, this is a grade two listed building in spitting distance of Liverpool Lime Street. Uh, the guide price is £5,000. So what are the first things that you kind of pick up on from, from, from this? I think that everything is peppercorn is the first thing that comes to my mind. I mean, I, I do like a freehold. I don't like a peppercorn freehold. <laughs> but um, I've been, again, probably bound down to greater knowledge. I, I think Piot fancies this one. I think, and he's convinced me, in fairness. Him and, him and Charles Marston have convinced me that, <laughs> that there, is, there is mileage in this deal. Um, because apart from the right to manage and insure, which um, is profitable, but... So explain how that's profitable. Um, so you have 20 flats and they will have to pay for the building to be managed by the freeholder and they will also have to pay for the building's insurance. Um, now, a freeholder can add a, well, they can, they can get the quotes and then they can add a management fee and they can add a degree of uh, like normally 10 to 15% profit on those figures. So there is a chance to make maybe 
two two thousand pounds a year, give or take, depends on off off, off that five thousand pound guide price. Is, is, isn't bad, mm. um, but essentially you're almost creating an operational trading company or a management company, aren't you? To, yeah. To go in, so it's whether the effort and hassle would be worth it. But then you might argue that actually an existing management company might might want to buy that and add it to their portfolio. As Charles has suggested, yeah. which again, that went straight by me. I did, that didn't even, in, in, the, in the consideration of what, what this lot was going to look like and who was going to buy it, didn't even touch the edges. I think, I think that's a, a, a good um, option for a management company because not only is it going to add to their portfolio, it's going to increase their turnover. So if they're looking at then selling or even just increasing the balance sheet, that's going to be very helpful for that. Um, it might not be super profitable, but that happens. Um, one of the other things is, what's what's the lease on the uh, each of these 20 flats? It, it's, um, it, it's about 106 years. 106 years. 106 years at Peppercorn. So it's going to be 26 years until they, they they're, they're probably going to start reaching out to uh, to increase. So there's there's income that's going to come from that. Yeah. But whether you can hold on to it for 26 years. Well, yeah, it's 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 26 years. Um, and if you were to use the first two or three years at two thousand pounds coming in per annum from the work, uh, that's likely to go up as insurance goes up and management and. Sinking fund. It's a greatly listed building. There are certain many things that. Can it's, be a, it's a lovely looking building. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. And, and I think uh, this is right in the centre of Liverpool, and uh, it says that there's also part of the property that's not assigned to any of the leaseholders in the basement. So that can be used either for car parking space on a st- or storage space. So that could possibly so be let out. So other income from that. Yeah. That's right, yeah. I don't know how big that space is because there's no pictures of that. Or a floor plan. Or floor yeah. Plan, oh, yeah. So that is, a, that is a, sort of a risk. But if there is something we can generate more income from, I think that's valuable. And that £5,000 guide price seems pretty low for... I mean, at £5,000, it's almost worth a pump. But then what you've got to remember is you have responsibilities as a freeholder. So whether you are farming that out and outsourcing it to a management company and just taking that small small amount of income or whether you are the management company and you're going to be working on it, it's it's two different things. I know one thing we discussed was, well, at this rate, it it sounds like, oh, it could be a nice investment to... um, Maybe to, to give to give to a, a child or something or your kids and, and they're going to really find the value in 25, 26 years. Okay. Um, again, can it can it what can it compare to I don't know an ISA or even another pension play that's going to just sit there, get a bit of income coming in which you don't touch, and then in twenty six years you've got the um, the lease extension money to come in. Um, so yeah, that it's. It, I think it's interesting. It's what I'm almost more interested in who's going to buy it and uh, and, and what they what they do with it, whether it's that management company or, or an individual. Well, I, there's a part of me that actually now wants the management company to buy it because <laughs> I, I think Charles. And, I, I again, just because it was something didn't even come into the sphere of recognition for me, but I, I think a, a local Liverpool managing agent uh, they're going to realise. Um, real value out of this 
Or the other option could be for an individual company to buy it and then sell it straight away off to find go and find that that management company and, yeah, yeah. and sell it. It's not a big it's not a big out there um, yeah. to put to put out. So even if you bought it for six grand, sold it for eight. Yeah, it's it, it's, yeah. it's it's not bad, and you can um, and it's quite easy sell to a management company like we said more units 20 more units on their books more turnover on their books so I can see I can see the benefits parking space within a five minute walk of Liverpool Lime Street um, yeah I think for a, manage, a management company I think I think value at anywhere between eight and ten thousand pounds would be reasonable for them yeah um, ten thousand being toppy eight thousand probably being more preferable to them I think if it was me I would based on um Piot's unraveling of, of the hidden beauty of this building, I could be pushed to six or seven. Uh, I'm going to go with eight. Yeah, eight as well. Yeah. 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 Eight, even like, it may reach 15. <laughs> like, but I'll say eight. <laughs> if it reaches 15, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it reaches 15. Wow. Okay. Um, so I think we'll call it a day there on the lots but one one question I wanted to ask um, and Jay you kind of mentioned it earlier was talking about the auction cycles within um, within the property market yeah. do you want to just explain a little bit about where you feel that um, auctions are at the moment whether it's residential or even commercial and what's happening especially in, in obviously you're, you're from Auction House London what's happening do you think in that auction London market and, uh, and any other markets around? Yeah, sure. Um, I think the, the numbers are quite clear. Uh, the number of properties entered and sold is down by about 1.36% uh, on last year. Um, that isn't easy for us at Auction House London to see because we have, in a year, taken on roughly 20 more properties per auction and sold roughly 15 more so our, our results are about 80 percent 70 75 to 80 percent which is pretty good which in london right now in london right now very good i mean yeah. a lot of other established good auctioneers are struggling with the, the 55 to 65 mark but that is actually probably a little bit more reflective of where the marketplace is for london mm. um you know auction house london is part of the auction house group 38 auctioneers nationwide um you look at Scotland, uh, Auction House Scotland, for example, they, they, they're easily churning out 85 to 100% sales success rates, yeah. which is demonstrable. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea how they're doing it, but... But it's, they, it's, they're it's, it's, it's a very different market up in Scotland, isn't it? Very different legal system, very different type of ownership, but a strong market. You go down as far as Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham and Bristol across that whole sweep there again doing really very well uh, probably uh, Manchester and maybe Leeds showing signs of slowing but not reducing in value yeah. um, just the growth is slow, just the growth is slow. Yeah. where I think auctions are in the cycle is we are probably a little bit too close to the bone of where the market is generally uh, and what I mean by that is the auctions in terms of guide or in terms of reserve, normally are looking to be about 15 to 25% below market value. And the reason we are at that level, people go, oh, why, why is it so cheap? No, it's designed to be that because we're asking you to 
Um, look at a property in a short period of time, do your due diligence in a short period of time, get your finance in a short period of time, exchange complete and be happy with what you have. So these are people that are people who are selling who need to sell quickly and they realise you have to apply a discount for people to be motivated yeah. to come to you. Um, the problem here is that the market is moving too quickly. By the time you sign off a catalogue and then six weeks later you have the auction, here at six weeks it looks like a great deal. Here the day before the auction, you don't know if it's a good deal or not um, because the market may have just swung, yeah. maybe specifically in that area that you're, that you're dealing with and I think a lot of regional auctioneers are starting to find that as a slowdown. And do you think looking at auction results and the amount of sales that have happened and values is sort of an early indicator for the market because normally or traditionally it's normally investors going in which you'd like to think have a bit more clout about what's happening in the property market or do you think times have, times have changed? I, I would like to think times haven't changed that much. Mm-hmm. The reason I started looking at auctions 12, 12, 13 years ago was because my mentor at the time said the auctions are a barometer of the market. Mm-hmm. So even if I wasn't buying that month or that quarter, I would still be attending the auctions. Yeah. I would still be going and see actually how ferocious is the bidding. Um, who's in the room, what do they look like, how are they acting, what's the confidence level. And you can tell that from the staff and the people just sitting down. So for me, it, it's very much, it only accounts for like 2% of the property transactions yeah. in the country anyway. So it's not like it's the beating heart of, of property. But I think it is like the SA or SN node, like you know how fast the market's yeah. going to move or be based on that impulse that the auctions send off first. Okay. I still believe that's the case. And Pierre, what are your thoughts on how things are going in property auctions from a commercial and also a residential point of view? Yes, commercial auctions have got like the dips and, and sort of highs and dips. And yeah. uh, recently there's been a few struggling auctions. That the, the, Typically over the last two years, commercial auctions performed extremely well. Uh, they did about 90 to 95% sales. Uh, the last few months, the sales were around 75, 85%. Wow, that's a huge drop, yeah. that, that, was, that was a fairly big drop. And I think that the biggest drop is with uh, high sort of income, uh, high street units like yeah. Debenhams, all those were those big the ones retailers. Yeah, those big chain retailers, they're struggling and uh, the security of that income isn't guaranteed. While in the past, that was a given that a property would sell, property like that would sell for 5% yield, whether it was rented for 300k or 500k or a million. So nowadays, it's. So you want a little now rather than a demo. Exactly. You want more sort of recession proof investments where you know whether it's a good time or bad time people will be spending money that's a great point in the, um, I did an interview a couple of weeks ago with a guy called Jason Tracy from uh, Beemore and one of the things he picked up on was in 2015 he wanted to look at what he felt were counter cyclical property investments and, um, and you've kind of touched on that again there so mm. yeah that's kind of good can probably give our listeners a bit of an indication as to where we kind of feel property is right now yeah yeah okay yeah so what would you if you can just give us your best tip for anyone going to a property auction what would you say if it was just one tip you had to give them just one oh, god 
That, that, if, it's, <laughs> if it's one, just definitely buy the book. <laughs> um, and I would say always, always, always uh, do the due diligence because you never know uh, what you're buying unless you review the legal pack. You actually maybe even see the property and you can't rely on just the catalog information. You need to do in-depth due diligence because uh, you are committing to basically owning that property and uh, taking responsibility for whatever is there. Yeah, great advice. Uh, I always do the due diligence one, so I've, I've missed out on that. But I would say, <laughs> I would say have multiple um, price points per property. So you take the pressure off, like you can't say, oh, I'm going in there, I'm going to buy it for 250. I'm not going any higher than 250. Well, what I think you should do is go, okay, the guide is 200, and if I can get it at 220, that's great. If I can get it for 230, so you, you give yourself excuses like to. Like almost a traffic light system of yeah. a great scenario, uh, an okay scenario, naturally. So you de stress it, you yeah. take a little bit of power away from the auctioneer, I think. That's interesting. Um, but as well as having multiple price points per property, you should have multiple exits per property. Um, and I think uh, if you're going to do anything, especially with how quick auctions run and how tempestuous they can be, you, you want to make sure that your due diligence is married with multiple exits. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks guys for, for letting me have you on the show and giving us your words of wisdom. And I'll be very interested to see the results and how far out I was in yeah. all my guesses <laughs> from, from that auction on the, uh, it's on the six, uh, 17th of September. Um, so, yeah, thank you for having uh, for. Yeah, thank you, Ross. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> Such a handsome boy. <laughs> He's never been on me that much. Thanks. Okay, cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye. Please join me next time for more detailed discussions about property on the Rodcast.